0: All right, hi everyone. I'm Steve, aka Breck, with Roleplaying Degenerates. I'm here with Mr. Dandy DM. Mr. Dandy DM, how well, are hello. you doing today?
1: I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing really well. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. This has been a long time coming. I've really en- enjoyed working with you in the past, so this is fun.
0: Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, I've actually uh, DM'd a small one-shot. Uh, Dandy was in it, and I have to say, I was. There's a few. I have play, in-person players. Players, my work. Players I play with in the military, but I have to say one good thing about the online community is you find like high quality players out there that are just in their rooms on these high resolution cameras and they just murder it. And, uh, Oh yeah. And dandy is one of them. hundred percent. One of those players <laughs> where you're just like, okay, he's, he's on top of it. Um, he know, knew the rules. He knew what he wanted to do with this character and it felt really good. He's willing to role play, which isn't always easy, especially strangers over the internet. You don't know. Um, so, Daddy,
1: how did you get into D and D? Ooh, well that that is that's a that's a really good question. Uh, so, how did I get started in D and D? So, I think it has to go. I have to go all the way back to when I was in junior high. Um, there, there were a. Uh, I went to a very small private school uh, in Massachusetts, where I'm from, and there were a very because it was the school was so small. There was a very select few group of nerds. Who were just like, because I I was very much a theater kid. I've been a theater kid since I since I was a little boy, and so and I've been acting ever since I was a little kid. So it was it was a situation where there was sort of a select group of nerds. All of us came from like different aspects of the nerd community, but we all had a shared love of RPGs. Mm-hmm. So we all started playing uh, the Star Wars D20 uh, role playing game by Wizards of the Coast, and. I remember we went through, I think we had two campaigns and I just fell in love um, because for me, coming from an acting background, it was very accessible for me to come in and be like, I want to I want to throw myself into this character that I'm playing. I even remember the first character I ever had, her name was Yolana Funger and she was a human force adept. She wasn't a Jedi, she was a force adept and she was, she was badass and uh, so... That was that was my first intro into RPGs. Um, fast forward, well, till I went to college. Uh, when I went to college, that was when I knew what D and was. But at the same time, coming from the family that I came from and the community that I was a part of back when I was in high school, D and D was sort of um, taboo. It was like you don't you don't go near it. Uh, Star Wars is okay because you know everyone knows George Lucas is he's He's, he's fine. Like, that universe is okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but the moment, the moment the occult, I guess, gets introduced into a game, even though, like, we have Lord of the Rings and we have J.R.R. Tolkien and all of that, and he's, like, the grandfather of all of what we have in D&D today, yeah. um, that was seen as something that was separate and other. And we don't go near it. Fast forward to rebellious phase in college where Andy's just like, you know what, I'm going to try everything. And I'm going to do whatever I want, and I'm going to play D and D. What? How bad could it be? And turns out there was nothing bad about it. I played with a great group of people. Um, we never got a real good campaign going. It was sort of like one shots interspersed here and there, and it was sort of like again, it was sort of uh, shared uh, communities where it was like, yes, I was I was co- I was acting I was acting in college, so I had that community, and there were people from the an- so there was. The like anime uh, there was anime groups on campus Mm -hmm. and so we all had the shared love of D&D and so we got together a couple times and we played so that was back in the 3.5 days and that was my first experience with D&D I played uh, since college I played maybe a couple sessions of 4th edition Um, I had a dwarf character I think we played maybe three sessions and that was it. And we could never get anything consistent going. So then that just stopped. Then it's like a long hiatus of not playing any RPGs at all. I moved from Mich- Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I went to school. I moved to uh, Chicago, to the Windy City, to pursue acting. And I did all of that till uh, almost up until the pandemic. And then... Uh, <laughs> the pandemic happened. So right before the pandemic, uh, I was coming home from a work, uh, a work trip. And one of my coworkers, we were having a conversation and she was saying, you know what? I haven't done in a long time. I haven't played D and D. And I was like, huh? Okay. Well, let's get a group of people together. How hard could it be? Let's let's, there's gotta be other nerds in, in terms of, you know, our, our work environment that we could, you know, play with. Sure enough, there was a group of about five people. Who the moment I mentioned D and D, they were like, "Yeah, let's do it. Let's all." And so we all rolled up characters. Every single one of us. We all rolled up characters. I rolled up a character. Everyone did. And then we all had. We've all brought our characters to the session. And somebody forgot to have the conversation about. Well, so who's DMing? <laughs> and
2: it was like,
1: uh, it was suddenly like we all started looking at each other. And I realized that I had the most experience DMing and playing uh, across a, a variety of different storytelling uh, RPGs and so it was like okay I I guess I'll do it and so the first session was very much sort of off the cuff it was very stereotypical everybody had their characters we all started in a tavern Mm -hmm. and uh, prior to the game I had been writing I had been formulating and writing like the beginnings of, of a fantasy novel and I had a name for the world that I wanted to create And so the homebrew world that we played in the first session was sort of like part and parcel with my notes that I had already like written down for this novel that I wanted to write. And the moment we started playing D&D, suddenly the novel was put on pause Mm -hmm. because I had so much fun watching everybody play in a universe that I had created. And so since that moment, we did two in-person sessions and then COVID hit. And as you know you know from experience, like suddenly the world changed. And it was very hard to find an in game in you know, in person game anymore. And uh, none of the people that I was playing with at the time wanted to do in person. They were like, Nope, I'm good. If the game needs to end, the game needs to end, but if we can keep it going online, don't, totally down for that. And so I had to find ways of making it work. So that's where I discovered Discord. And again, this entire time I'm on YouTube and I'm looking at, you know, TikTok. At the at this point early on, I was just a consumer on TikTok.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I hadn't even begun to make any content whatsoever. In fact, I didn't for about a year. I just was watching everybody on D&D TikTok do all sorts of cool shit. And that was That was my experience. And then I realized, wait a second, I'm playing, I've been playing this game with the, with these awesome friends of mine and we've been playing and we've had experiences and we've had story arcs and we've had questions about the rules that I've actually been able to answer. Like, why am I not taking my experience and like sharing it with people on TikTok? And that's where that sort of, uh, I think my initial username was Mr. DM Andy. And, uh, and then I was like, that is the most boring ass white bread <laughs> name. Yeah. I'm, I, that's, <laughs> I don't, I'm not interested in that. That sounds like it's dumb and it sounds like it sounds too easy. So that's, and so I was trying to think of different ways of branding myself, I guess, but I, that's sort of getting ahead. Like to answer your question, that is the long and short of it. That is my, that was my first, uh, experience or introduction with D&D. Um, started in college, but prior to that, many different RPG experiences before.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, you said you were kind of alluding to going towards the content creation side. Um, you kind of saw, I mean, you come from acting background, obviously you're well-spoken, you're you're not only okay with performing, but it's almost like something you thrive to, I'm just assuming you thrive to perform in some sort of way. Oh, yeah. um, I have to be honest, when I first saw your, your TikToks, I was really shocked you only had that many that many followers at the time, um, but recently you've had a pretty giant, I think there was one day I saw you went up like thousands of, of subscribers within a short period of time a couple of weeks ago, so I'm not surprised um, you're having a lot of, a lot of success, but um, what, what made you like, what, what made you jump, like you were kind of alluding to it, what made you make that jump, and then what have been the biggest challenges of the creation part?
1: Hmm. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I guess the first part of that question in terms of sort of jumping in and, and sort of wetting my feet on like creating content. If I'm being honest, it was because I was freaking bored.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was, I was bored. I was stuck at home. I wasn't auditioning for anything because Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the theater scene in Chicago, but pretty much all of the major theater houses in Chicago closed their doors, weren't doing hardly anything, unless they were doing something like online, because they sort of had to adapt in a similar way. The theater scene had to adapt, and suddenly it became like uh, an online viewing experience, but only for a select few theater houses uh, that actually could afford to do that. Here's the thing. Chicago is one of the most vibrant theater communities in the entire nation. And it's known for having the most storefront theaters in the country, like hands down, like not even a contest. There's so many. there's like 300 plus like storefront theaters, small, small theaters, black box style that, that exist or have existed. Um, and so the pandemic really killed that though. It took the wind out of a lot of acting, directing people's sales. And, and so I, I was one of those people. I I was sitting at home and I couldn't audition for things. And what's more, it, it's not that I didn't want to start auditioning for things online, like setting it up, but it was just like, at the same time, I was also trying to balance being a good dad and a good husband. And it just was like, I didn't want to split my focuses any more than I felt possible, any more than I was comfortable with. Yeah and so because I knew that if I was started to do that I would just spread myself too thin and then I wouldn't even enjoy the thing that I was pursuing so what is it somebody says something about half oh yeah Ron Swanson don't half ass something yeah. whole ass whole ass one thing yeah yeah, uh, yeah don't half ass two things that's what, that's what he says yeah um <laughs> <clears throat> someone to model your life to uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but um uh, Remind me of the second part of your quiz. Oh yes, um, the so there that was sort of my. It was boredom, but it was also, uh, I felt that my creative side wasn't being fed at all during this time. Yeah. I think it was like the middle of the winter when I first started creating uh, content, and I was, I was stir crazy, and I and I needed to I needed to act or perform or create something in some way. And I was doing everything with my own campaign, but I also wanted to, I wanted to widen my audience. I wanted to experience that side of TikTok, and and so, uh, to that end, like TikTok became my, it became my theater. Um, I had uh, I had this space, this office in my house, and I was just like, this is going to become my studio theater. Like, this is where people are going to see me. I don't do many videos uh, outside of this room. Mm-hmm. I pretty much keep it to this location. Um, although recently I've, I've realized that I have to because sometimes the TikTok algorithm gets tired of me.
2: Wow.
1: <laughs> and so uh, <coughs> recently I've noticed that I've not been getting as many views on things that, like, I've been doing uh, similar things but in, like, different... Like, if you have seen any of my stitches or um, duets? I'll be duetting something and sort of applying, like, it could be a real-world event. Like, today I did uh, a poor guy who, like, was on his bike, but he had, for some reason, he had this massive statue of Jesus strapped to his back, and he was on his bike, and he he literally, he looks at the camera for a second while he's on this bike, and he crashes full tilt into the back Mm -hmm. of a car. And I was like, oh, that's somebody failing their dex save. <laughs> yeah. and, and I was just like, and so I sort of just put something together, and I was like, oh, this is the cleric. Cleric, what did you roll on your dex save? And the cleric rolled a nat one, yeah. and this is what happens. Yeah. And so stuff like those kinds of videos in the past would actually get a lot of views. But I'm noticing that I think the TikTok algorithm is actually getting tired of me. Or it's not finding it interesting anymore. Or the people that I'm, I have as my audience, the people who follow me, they aren't finding it as interesting. Or maybe in terms of the algorithm, they're being fed other things, things that they find interesting. So they've liked my content for a little while, and now they're pursuing other things. I don't, I don't have, again, because of the reason I got into this, I don't have a drive or an impetus to get a certain follower count or to get a certain number of likes per video, it's fun when it happens. Uh, there was, I mean, there was a video, you're talking about when I made the sudden jump in followers. Yeah. There was a video that I made like almost a month ago <clears throat> where it has it has currently over 1.9 million views. And it is, it's still going up. Like people are still looking at it and liking it, and, and it's yeah. it's great. But I'm honestly getting annoyed by it because I feel like people are seeing this one aspect of who I am, this one aspect of who what I do, and then they go to my other content. And at this point, they're not really following me. They're not a fan of what I do. They just saw this one thing and they liked it. But then when they see the other thing, and especially, and I'm, sad to, I'm very sad to say this, whenever I do any Mr. Good Patron content, it just... Oh, really? It it craters. Yeah, no, the that's algorithm crazy. does not like Mr. Good Patron at all. Oh. And, and that's the thing, going back to what I said, I really don't care, because I didn't have any expectations of what I wanted to do with this initially. I really do this for me. I really create stuff for me, and and also just to interact with certain people, certain individuals that I respect. Like, a lot of the people on Role Playing Degenerates, that's their sense of humor, their, their sort of, like... Their style of creativity—that's who I make content for. And a lot of the people that are in the discords that I'm in, like those, those are those are my audience. Those are the people that I want to make stuff, make content for that I want to follow myself. That I like their content. Um. So yeah, but yeah, Mr. Good Patron is a. <laughs> I would, I would
0: he doesn't really. That he did really well.
1: <laughs> I. Uh, he is my favorite stuff to do because yeah. I'm sorry. I, I want to make sure I'm answering all of your questions. So the the was the first question was how I made the initial jump into TikTok. What was the second part of your question? The
0: second part was like, what are the challenges you faced with your creation and, and moving into this the space of TikTok? What are some of the things you didn't anticipate, maybe? Oh,
1: um, the things I didn't anticipate initially was. Uh, how difficult it would be to actually reach an audience um, because and really how to figure out the algorithm.
2: Mm-hmm. Because
1: while I, I don't really have a set goal, I do want my videos to reach the people that follow me.
2: Yeah.
1: And initially, I was very surprised by the fact that, as I think a lot of creators were initially, that just because you have a certain number of followers, not every single one of them are going to see any of your videos. They might see one, and that's the reason they followed you, but after that, all bets are off. Like, they might never see another one of your videos again. And so, for me, that was something... That was a bit of a learning curve initially. But also, sort of going along with that, I am not the first D&D TikTok creator. There have been a myriad of performers, educators, uh, just content creators who have been doing this longer than I have. And so, they have their own unique thing that they did. So... Uh, but still, I'm consuming this at the same time, so I might have a different spin. So always trying to find that alternative spin, and I'm still doing this to this day. Somebody, uh, I'll see somebody uh, post something, or duet something, or stitch something, and I'm like, that was hilarious.
2: Yeah.
1: I need to figure, and that is was very creative, and I will like that, and I will comment on it, and I will repost that. But you better believe that I'm going to try and find a way to create my own unique spin on it because I f- there might be something that I feel was missed or something that I could maybe add or do better. So thats that's been something that's been very challenging is trying to m- add my own unique flavor to it.
0: Yeah, it is, it is kind of weird. There's, I'm not going to say the word competitiveness, but there is something that like, you strive for. You get all these likes or whatever – You get all the subscribers, and you're like, okay, so how do I make this better? You know, you have your LED lights in the background, which is like the next step for us in our studio. I'm like, how do I make my lights like dandies? Because his look great. I even got this. To be honest,
1: (laughs) the lights, not a TikTok thing. This room has no interior lighting. It doesn't have any um, any (laughs) overhead lighting. Yeah. So, I mean, I could change this. I I mean, I got the I got the color lighting because I thought, oh, this is cool. But I could very easily change it to white light. and suddenly the room is illuminated and and i don't have to worry about having overhead light anymore
2: yeah but But but
1: yeah it is it is kind of weird how you
0: like it is way more fun but it's kind of weird how you look at what other people are doing and it's almost like uh that's really good content but at the same time you're looking at it like your girlfriend's looking at a girl that walks past you it's like well what, what is she doing that's so much better like his lights are better. His everything. His whole setup's better. He speaks better. So you kind of do have this like look of like, what are other people doing, and how do I match slash beat that? It's kind of weird.
1: And I mean, it go, it, that definitely takes me back to when I was first starting to create content, because a lot of the talk at the time when I was first starting was, oh, you have to make sure that you have a good uh, follower to um, following ratio in terms of the numbers. And you can't, have, you can't have over a certain number of creators that you follow in comparison to how many follow you.
2: Mm-hmm. You,
1: can't have, you can't go above a certain amount. And I'm actually very thankful that I didn't know that advice when I first started because I just followed everyone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I followed everyone. There was a time where I think I had maybe 500 followers and I had over 1,500 people that I followed. And I have not really, I mean, I've definitely have thinned certain things. I've sort of honed down on what I'm interested in and sort of the, the common language that I want to use and who I want to speak with and who I want to be seen speaking with. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's, I've definitely thinned things out a little bit and, you know, maybe increased in certain areas and who I follow, but that I think actually benefited me in the long run following so many people because I was taking in so much content and I was seeing, oh, wow, every there's so many different unique views of this community and of this game. And I'm actually very thankful that I followed initially just sort of an insight. I followed so many um, uh, content creators who were people of color because at the same time, during those two years, the last two years, there was everything that was going on in the country the, with you know the protests and yeah. and suddenly I, I felt like I had to follow all of these peoples of color because I wanted to know what their experience was and I wanted to know what because I'm a I'm a I'm a white guy I yeah. don't I don't come from that experience but I want to yeah. learn mm-hmm. and so I but there was I realized that there was a lot of white representation in the D&D TikTok <laughs> community. Is, yeah. So I felt I've almost, I almost didn't follow a lot of like white creators at first because I wanted to see what this perspective was. And I think that actually ended up helping me um, because it, it gave me, it gave me empathy. Um, and I, and also uh, certain uh, f- uh, female presenting creators who were, uh, talking about their own unique struggles in, inside the uh, gaming community, the RPG community. Yeah. Um, that was something that I had not encountered before. But I was very glad that I did because it gave me a different perspective.
0: Yeah, so what is it about this game, D&D? I mean, I come from like more of a jockey background. I actually never knew about D&D until after I got out of the Marine Corps and went to the Army. But I can play at a table with anybody and have more mm-hmm. fun than I've ever had in my life playing a game where it's make-believe. So what is it about D&D? What is it about role-playing games? Why is it so much fun to play like a half-orc cleric when, you know, that might not be your thing or whatever? Why, how, do, how does this game, how can you explain this game?
1: Oh, boy. Um, I actually made a video about this recently. Like, what is your, what's your 30-second pitch? What's your or what's your What is your sixty-second pitch to someone to get them to start playing? Um, and the way that it was explained to me was: imagine you're writing a, imagine you're writing a book, you're writing you're writing a you're writing a novel, and you create you're the author you create the world, and and of course this is coming from a DM perspective because that's that's where I initially come from not as a DM not a player, um, but you're writing this book. And you create the world, and you create the circumstances of the story, and then you go to your best friends, and you're like, "Hey, do you wanna, do you wanna play the characters in this story that I created? You do? Cool." And then you add in the dice, and there's this added element of uh, uh, victory and loss and failure and uh, and that sort of, and how, that's how we sort of determine the, um, the consequences of the, of the circumstances that we're involved with. Um, that's a very flowery answer. I think the basic thing that I love about it, and the reason that I love it so much, is it's collaborative storytelling. Yeah. It's improv. Yeah. And that sort of very much speaks to my own uh, background uh, as an actor improviser it's something that i I just love how very much like theater it is because in theater you have the script and everybody's supposed to memorize their lines and you have the story that's written but you will not get the same performance one night to the next because there is a different energy from one night to the next and one person might go up on their line or one person might might Deliver it in a different way, and then suddenly, the atmosphere changes, and the the interactions change, and and it also was like improv, like when you have work when improvisers are on stage and they're and they are might take a suggestion from the audience, but then they suddenly create this fully fleshed out story world on a stage with like four or five different people and everybody has their own unique view or own unique thing to add. And that's something that really excites me because it is, it's never the same. It's never the same. And everyone, everyone gets their <coughs> chance to shine in that way.
0: Yeah. It's, so I've been trying to, I've been trying to express what D and D is to, to people. And I've asked every guest that, and every guest has like a different answer, what it kind of means. But for me, have you ever seen Goodwill Hunting with Robin Williams and uh, Matt Damon?
2: Yes.
0: So there's that scene where there's that scene where um, they're by the water, and Robin Williams is, is kind of describing to him like, "Yeah, you may have read Shakespeare, but you don't really know yeah. what it feels like to hold you know your best friend dying in your hands when he's going mm-hmm. out, or to love a girl for forty years." So like when you talk about D and D, that scene like rings to me because I can explain to you that it's it's a roll of a dice but I can't explain to you what it feels like to be two death saves down and one more to go. And, every, and everybody's That's like... That's real. That's and, real. But everyone's like looking around <laughs> like, like the DM's quiet. Everybody's like looking at each other like, dude, this might be it. And it's over. And when you get so serious about a character, it's like it, it, you just feel so connected in that way. And I, and I totally agree. I'm not an actor by any means, but I can still relate to that feeling of someone like, my character's dead and there's nothing I can do about it. It's like, it's, it's one of those games that... If you're into it, it's hard to, it's hard not to get so excited about it.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. Like it's very difficult to explain. Uh, in fact, I actually just did a series uh, on TikTok about this very thing, like me trying to introduce new people to D and D. Like what does that look like? Yeah. And so on one side, it's a it's a duet, whereas there's this uh, there's this girl. I think the oh man I can't remember the creator's name I think it's Sophia Sophia something I'll look it up later Um, but her from her like content is her just unwrapping a lollipop and I think it was originally intended as this is our first date and she like puts the lollipop in her mouth and she's just sitting there and she's sort of reacting sort of to something but she's not saying any words yeah and so I took that. and I'm like, I can run with this shit. I know exactly what I wanted. Yeah. So I took out, I took out Tome of Foes. And I went to like the chapter this is right in the front of the book uh, about the blood war. And I just started to read about the blood war. But at the very end, I think it's like, um, I think the video is like a minute long. And at the very end, she's like, uh, she gets like this, her face gets all screwed up and she's just like looking at you like you're insane. Yeah. And she just <laughs> like, Oh, okay. Bye. And she gets <laughs> up and walks away. And I'm just like, no, I have
2: to tell you more about Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> but yeah, I did.
1: I did like, I did like a three, uh, a three scene or a three episode version of that scene where I just kept reading from the same chapter in each, Each time I would try to do, like, put more emphasis on certain things to hopefully get it across, but it never ultimately lands because she eventually just gets super weirded out and leaves, which is, I feel like the case for a lot of my non-nerd... I even hate... I hate hate saying that because everybody is a nerd about something. Everyone.
0: Yeah, that's a good point.
1: Everyone is a nerd about something. Like, uh, what is it? Uh, Fantasy football is just... (laughs) Yes. uh, Fantasy football is, is, uh, oh, boy, it, was, it was a really funny bit. Uh, fantasy football is for people who are not good at fantasy or football. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I was just like, everybody, every, that's actually a really good explanation for how everyone is a nerd about something.
0: Yeah, it's true.
1: And so, and so like, but not everybody, not everybody is going to be a nerd about D&D. And even even storytelling, like that can be very suddenly people get their hackles up, and they're just like, "I want nothing to do with that. I want nothing to do with improv. I don't want to tell a story. I don't want to even be this other thing yeah. and and sort of but um, I think I think one of the things that I try to impress on on people is the uh, the idea of play. like remember when you used to play as a kid and you used to act out things as a child because I feel we all did that. We all totally did that. We did
2: that yeah.
1: Yeah. This is that. But it's but there there's rules and there's uh there's dice and uh there are stakes for certain things. Um Yeah. Yeah. That's uh But yeah, it is very difficult to uh <laughs> to get uh to communicate D and D to people.
0: Yeah. In a also- way that
1: that is palatable or makes them interested.
0: Yeah, it is. And also one thing we're, we've had problems with is the next step. We have a couple of things that RPD we're trying to do. But the next thing we're trying to do, like we've been talking about it the last few days, last few months we've been trying to figure it out, is we've been trying to get like the most elite, in our opinions, players. I mean, like players that will, will go to, you know, the, the deep end of their character and try to figure it out. And we've been trying to find that. That group, like the core group of like who we, we're trying to find the best streamers out there. Who can we find who's going to make this like the best DM? Who's going to make this like the best game ever? And honestly, it's like difficult to even to find online, which is way easier than in person. But it's difficult to find the right group. It's, it's hard to find like the group to play with sometimes, especially if like you're willing to go to those lengths where you're getting into those characters. But I will tell you, um, every time we talk about it, you're already on the list like okay well dandy's gonna be on there like you're always the number one on the list like well, what if he doesn't want to play what if he doesn't want to play and i'm just like we're gonna make him play he's gotta be on the on the the game
1: (laughs) but (laughs) well i'm always down i'm always down to i'm always down to experiment and to try new things and because as a dungeon master i'm sure you you know the you have the exact same experience you've created like a ton of characters that you probably will never get around to playing I, all of them.
2: I hate it. Yeah. But
1: any yeah. opportunity you get to play, you're like, oh, I know exactly who I want to, uh, who I want, exactly. who I'm feeling like right now. Um. Uh. There's a well. Uh, there's a uh, for our, uh for our game uh, at Fan Expo. Um. I'm playing a Alan character, an Alan, oh, yeah. monk. Yeah.
0: Do you need a mini?
1: And, do I need a mini?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I, I no I, one has. No one offered can, me a mini. Can I show? So. Can I show
0: you an owl and mini I painted?
2: Sure. <clears> yeah, a that's dope. 100%
1: <laughs> <laughs> this episode brought to you by Role Playing Degenerate. <laughs> Are you feeling like a Degenerate today? Well, go on over to Roleplaying Degenerate's Discord. That is awesome.
0: It's not a monk. I'm trying to focus it. It's not necessarily a monk, but um, I'm a huge fan of the Owlin, and there's not too many Owlin minis out there. So as soon as I saw a couple, I snagged them up. I'll bring it just in case you want to use it.
1: <clears throat> yeah, sure. I, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a dope mini regardless. But the Owlin, the Owlin has always intrigued me because ever since Strixhaven dropped... And sort of that race was introduced and made canon, because I think it was it was, in, it was in unearthed arcana, yeah. Prior to it being introduced into Strixhaven, but that the moment it was talked about, I was like, okay. This so the owl get, uh, the owlin race and the Harringun race are two races that I'm very intrigued in. Reason for that, and this is sort of like again going back to my nerd childhood. Um, I was very, so there was like, I wasn't allowed to read Harry Potter, so I read Lord of the Rings. I read Chronicles of Narnia, Lord of the Rings, and, uh, when I was in junior high, I like, anything that Brian Jakes wrote with the Redwall series, I don't know if you're familiar with Redwall. Not at all. Um, uh, so Redwall is like a medieval fantasy, but if the main characters were mice, squirrels, rabbits... Uh, awesome. Badgers, cats, uh, weasels, otters—like all of these, all of these like woodland creatures. But they're humanoid, and they are—they all talk in Scottish accents, and they're, they're all—that was a horrible Scottish accent. I apologize. <laughs> um, but they—they uh, they all like live in this medieval world and they all fight the the rats and the weasels and the snakes and the foxes and it's honestly it's a terrific universe. And if you ever get the chance to read it is technically a young adult, but I feel like I feel like every adult should read it. It's just yeah. terrific storytelling. And it's a great series. It's I think it's at like four there were like at fourteen books, I'm pretty sure.
0: I'll check it out.
1: All of them all of them are like in different parts of the Red Wall Mossflower Universe and one hundred percent, ten out of ten would recommend. And if you have kids, definitely introduce them to it because it's sort of like a gateway drug to D and D.
0: Yeah. Um well, first of all, I, I rolled my character for the fan expo that I'm playing, uh, on a mini painting session we did live two Fridays ago. And I rolled a Harrigan fighter. So I'll be playing a Harrigan Fighter, you'll be playing an Allen, so it's kinda of funny you brought that up. Um Yeah. As far as, like, the reading kids stuff, my my second favorite TV series of all time is Trollhunters, which is supposed to be a kids' series on Netflix, um, but it's dope. It's too good. I've never watched,
1: like, <clears throat> watched Trollhunters.
0: <clears throat> it's really so i I've,
1: I've, I've like it I've, like, seen it on different streaming platforms, yeah. but I've never actually sat down and watched
0: it. No, it's actually, like, insanely good. And the first one of all time for me is Star Wars Rebels. So, again, it's supposed to be a kids' show, but...
1: I have uh I have Oh my god, why am I drawing a blank on his name?
0: Ezra Miller? Um, Ezra Miller. That's no, a, That's
1: the No. No flash. no. There's
0: uh I... No. It's the oh, <laughs> Just... I'm so dense. Like why
1: am I drawing a blank on this guy's name? Uh Aurelius. Uh oh, um
0: Zeb Aurelius.
1: Zeb. Zeb. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I have his. I have his Funko Pop up there.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that sound um, is awesome. Or, right there. Yeah.
1: Um. But yeah, Rebels is like what, Rebels is one of my all-time favorite Star Wars properties. Um, I don't know about Mainly it. I'm because. Surprised. Mainly because it's like my favorite character in the Star Wars universe is Ahsoka Tano. Like,
0: yep, hundred percent.
1: They can like. I was so thrilled when I found out Rosario Dawson was getting a chance uh, to like like live action play this character like she was brought being brought into the live action Star Wars universe. And so that her character arc though is because I feel like depending on what your opinion is and the current state of Star Wars or whatever, you could definitely say that they Star Wars or Disney has kind of screwed up a lot of the character arcs of some beloved characters.
2: Yeah.
1: But because Dave Filoni has such a unique vision and such a good, he has a good hold on the characters that he's created and knows exactly what he wants when they're handled or when they're taken by somebody else, that he has the final say on what happens. And he knows, I have a feeling Dave, even at this stage, knows exactly how he wants Ahsoka to end. And that's, I'm excited for when we get there. I am excited for when we get there, because it's going to happen eventually. But in terms of her overall character arc, like being being a youngling Padawan learner, training under Anakin Skywalker, who eventually becomes Darth Vader, going all through everything that she goes through, being on the run, uh, Order 66, uh, eventually meeting up with our Rebels crew,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, eventually my all-time... Favorite scenes in Star Wars, period, It's actually not live action; it's animated. Yeah. And it is the fight on the temple. Yep. Uh, in the temple, um, I don't remember the, what the name of the planet was, um, but um,
0: yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's for the it's for the holocron, right? That's where that's where yeah. loses his yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, And and not only do you have you have a twofer in that episode in those two episodes because it's a two-parter. You have Darth Maul. Yep. reintroduced into the universe but then you have this amazing epic fight between ahsoka tano and uh darth vader slash anakin skywalker yeah and that scene is it's so powerful it is and i get i get chills every single time Same. i watch it
0: yeah it, it's, it's one of those it's one of those moments where like you know you you're watching a good character because when you're watching something and you're like Oh my gosh! This is like happening. Like you can't believe it's happening. And Ahsoka, Ahsoka pushes, pushes Force pushes Ezra outside of the, the temples. It's crushing. It's just her and Vader, and it's like <laughs> you're like losing your mind because you're like, dude, this is the most badass thing Ahsoka could do, and she's not afraid. And now she's like a fully grown adult Twi'lek or not Twi'lek, whatever she is. I don't even know her race, but um, she's like fully grown now, and now she's facing Vader. And before she was just snips, you know, she was just a Padawan. But now she's like the fully grown adult female, crushing everybody. And then when she took down those inquisitors, or kind of almost took them down, kind of stepped in for Kanan and said, "I got this." And she like was, you know, handling them. You're like getting the chills. Cause you're like, "Oh my gosh, Ahsoka's awesome!" And now you're gonna uh, find out like there's more to her. It, I'm very excited for the future.
1: So Ahsoka Tano is a Togruta. Jedi. I had to look it up for a second cuz I knew I knew like was not correct. Yeah, so I was not like, correct. yeah, it's Truda. Um, yeah, and then like that line, one of the best lines I think ever I is no I am no I am no Jedi. It's so good. And like and suddenly you're you're taken back to Clone Wars and you're like, nope, she's not a Jedi. Yeah. In fact, she hasn't been a Jedi for a minute.
2: Yep, um, yeah.
1: and she she's still not a Jedi. <clears throat> at this point she's she's something else she's on her own she's a ronin
0: yeah no in and, so many ways yeah so all the D people out there um star wars rebels is awesome so we kind of went on a, <laughs> we kinda went on a
1: yeah we went on a mini tangent there yeah if you if you get a chance if you've never watched star wars rebels it is 10 out of 10 would recommend yeah definitely it's,
0: it's great and Ashley Eckstein, 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 I don't know how you say her last name, but she's going to be at the... Eickstein,
1: Eickstein, Eickstein. yeah. Yeah, Eickstein. No, she's going to be a fan. Yeah. So
0: when I was talking to all the people at work and they're, they're like, oh, I want to see like Frodo and all that, I'm like, for sure. but I was like, I need to see Ahsoka Tano. I'm like, who's that? I'm like, yeah. Ashley Eckstein. Like, I don't know who that is. I'm like, well, you need to watch Rebels and go watch Clone Wars because her story arc is mind-blowing. That's why it's my number mm-hmm. one favorite show. I mean, you have that story arc and then you have Ezra and Kanan, which... I think Freddie Prince Jr.'s best role ever was as Oh yeah, that's just my opinion.
1: Yeah, Caden (laughs) Jarris, I think, is he is one of the brand new content uh, in brand new in terms of content. But you get to see his entire arc, even with uh, the Bad Batch. Like you get to see him at Order sixty six in the first episode, and you're just like. Oh my God! Are we doing this? Are we seeing yeah. the evolution of Kane and Jairus becoming Kane and Jairus and suddenly, yeah. like, going off? Even though his name's Caleb, Caleb Dune. Caleb Dune. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. It's, so many good characters are animated, and you'll yeah. you, some of them you'll never get to see. Like, I really want to see. I really want to see a because we have. Um, I don't understand what is wrong with me today. I cannot remember. names, and I'm usually so good at this.
0: What did I
1: say? Tamira Mor Tamira Morrison. Uh, Oh yeah 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 Uh, yeah. Uh, Boba Fett. Yes. Uh, Tamira Mor. I'm waiting for the opportunity that we're gonna have to see Rex, like a full like badass Rex. Like seeing Boba Fett was awesome because Boba Fett used to be my favorite character, Uh even though like he had no right to be. He had no right to be. It was just, uh, when I saw Empire Strikes Back as a little kid, I was like, this is another masked character. Darth Vader's cool, but this is another masked character that for some reason, we don't know why, but Darth Vader respects the hell out of this guy because he goes up to him and he says, no disintegration. And you're just like, as you wish. And you're just like, oh, that cool gravelly voice. Oh, this is so dope. And he wears a helmet. It's awesome. And so, uh, no, I'm really excited to see uh, Tamira Morrison as Rex. That's what I want to see.
0: Yeah, I think it'll happen Um, for sure. Um, Moving on, though, do you watch Critical Role?
1: Uh, Yes. Yes, I do. I actually just got, I just got, I'm in the middle, I'm in the middle, I took a break for a while because uh, I I was consuming so much, so many different podcasts um, that I just was like, I need to stop. Because I, I need I need to put time towards other things. Yeah. And so I took a I took a break for a little bit on Critical Role. I'm in the middle of campaign two right now. hmm And mm-hmm. I'm on episode eighty two. Yeah. Uh, I was actually just listening to it at the gym right before I came on here.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, it has to do with the they're in the um they're in the pocket dimension that uh, this wizard has created, and they're yep. trying to. And they end up having to destroy. They're trying to destroy the Permaheart.
2: Yep. Yeah.
1: And uh, yeah. and this is all uh, right before the um, the Angel of Irons and that whole part. So uh, Ashley Johnson is currently not with them right now.
2: Yeah. 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 But,
1: but yeah, that's that's where I am. But yes, I do watch Critical Role. I consume like any Critical Role scene that comes up on YouTube. I've like watched it. Um, I will. I have can't tell you how many times I've watched uh, uh, Joe Manganiello steal the hand of Vecna. Dude, like
0: I, yeah, I'm the same as you.
1: <laughs> I've watched that scene. I've watched him uh, on D and D Beyond talk about that scene about how oh, yeah. like. That like he he went through like all of these different things, and this is yeah. this is an example of a player who has gone and writes so much and does so much in terms of backstory. And if you're a DM, like Joe Manganello is a godsend in in that regard because you're like this person has not only developed their own character, but they've developed the whole homebrew world that helps me figure out how they exist in it. So that's really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah. The Hand of Vecna, the whole Vecna arc with Vox Machina is is epic and awesome. And uh, right now, I'm really loving um, everything to do with Exandria Unlimited. Um, I've watched a couple episodes of season three, but I'm not fully caught up. Yeah. Um, I know. I know certain things about. Like I've sort of caught some bullet points here and there yeah. about where the group is going. But um, honestly, I've been focusing more on Exandria Unlimited because I love the fact they're bringing in other DMs.
2: Yep, yep, that's a good point.
1: Yeah, so having having Abrea as a DM and having, uh, oh my god, Brennan Lee Mulligan doing yep. uh, Exandria Unlimited Calamity. Dude.
0: I've always seen the I, first one. I've always seen the first episode of it. And my wife was, like, blown away. So don't no spoilers, sir. <laughs>
1: Okay, uh, this, is not, this is not giving anything away.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, this is, okay, I'm just trying to figure out. This doesn't give anything away. I, Brennan Lee Mulligan is the GOAT when it comes to being a DM. <clears throat> I used to think, like, he, he and Matt Mercer, like, exchange yeah. like, that goathood. Yeah, they, uh, do. they
2: do.
1: So many times. Because they're they're on par. Matt Mercer is good in certain things that slightly better than Brennan, but Brennan has his own unique thing that he does with storytelling, and so its they're both peers and contemporaries of each other. Yeah. Um, and it is so awesome that they are actually working together on certain properties.
0: Yes, it is.
1: Um, that being said, Exandria Unlimited Calamity was, I think, one of the best role playing live streams I think I've ever watched and I I cried so hard um, and I, I'm a very easy crier but like yeah. the number of times that I cried yeah. watching this um, because not only was Brennan's telling of the story and the DMing of the story so perfect but honestly all the nuanced reactions and the the collaborative storytelling that the rest of the cast was doing was also sous chef's kiss perfect
0: yeah Yeah. um i mean i i always said that it's it's mercer's the goat and brennan's one sliver behind him but honestly i think you're right it's just like they're right they're right there they're they're so good that sometimes like if you look at brendan mulligan's uh uh, what's he called baron from the baronese his highlight video it's so funny I have never laughed so hard I, in my life. I am a romance partner, Baron. <laughs> it's, it's the funniest <laughs> thing. But also, you can look at Matt Mercer's stuff and some of the stuff that that he pulls out. And I'm not going to spoil anything for season or campaign two for Critical Role. But there's something that one character has been doing this entire thing in, in, in uh, the campaign two. And you're like, why are they doing that? It's so weird. And you find out in the, last, the very last episode what's been going on. And then he's given a choice to do what, you know, so, something happens where he's given this choice. And it's just like, oh, my gosh. Are you, you're you never going to find that unless you have that kind of group, you know, or or you have, like, that kind of dedication. But they're doing these things that are just, like, mind-blowingly intense and awesome. And, and uh, I've cried on a few occasions watching Critical Rule And there was actually a um, – there was a uh, – what's his name? Liam O'Brien. He did a yeah. – he did a, um, uh, what's it called? He did a one-shot where he just had a, a family member die in real life recently at the time. And he mm. did a one-shot where he was the DM, but it was 5,000 years in the future, and they were themselves. And the whole thing led up to them finding future Liam, who was still alive in this like weird sort of embryonic chamber, or they kept him alive, back to Tank, for lack, lack of a better term. And... He was explaining to, to his friends 5,000 years ago why he liked them so much, and he would always end it for, I think he ended it like, he would say this long thing about how much he loved Travis, but he's really talking about Travis, and how much he loved Laura, but he was really talking about Laura. And he would just say, I'm richer for having known you, I, to close that and then move on to the next person. And by the last person, like, you can tell he's gripped with something that just happened in his life for real, and that he's expressing it in this way, And I'm, like, crying. I'm, like, straight up bawling like a kid because you're attached to this whole story and what's going on. And he's trying to express something. Um, And there's no – it's just so weird. There's no other game like it where you can be barren from the baronies but also be willing to die next to someone or sacrifice yourself in the same game. It's just so funny. It's so weird. I don't know how to explain it.
1: Um. You get those moments because you have this weird, uh, this weird, beautiful combination that exists between having the right players and the right DM. The right DM is going to allow you to have those opportunities, and the right players are going to recognize when the opportunity is given to them. And if you, if those two things are out of whack, where the DM sort of makes it all about themselves or all about their own story, or railroads the players or whatever then you're not going to have those moments because that the illusion or the the idea of player choice is completely lost and suddenly players choices don't matter um but when that when you have that good dm who gives the players that freedom then you will have players and if you have players who are rec- or cognizant of that then they're going to be like oh i know what i can do here I know I know what my choice or how my choice might impact the story or a possible impact for the story and it could be something that ends up not being what they thought but even that is just like well that was an unforeseen consequence that's awesome
0: yeah it it is really special game in that regard um all right I got one more question to ask you because I always end with this question um and that that is where do you see yourself with D&D in 5, 10, and 15 years?
2: Ooh,
1: that is... That's bucket list territory. Um, It's not that I haven't thought about it. It's just that I... Before getting on TikTok, I never thought that it would even ever remotely be possible. But honestly, I would love it within five years... I could either DM for Brennan Lee Mulligan or Matt Mercer or be DM'd by them. Yeah. And five years is actually, that's a doable amount of time. Like, I could do, I can, people can do a lot in five years. Sure. People can do a lot. Um, whether, the, the, the key thing, because there's other factors that go into that, whether they'll be playing or DMing in five years, because they might have their own things that they're, that they're doing that is completely devoid of Dungeons & Dragons. I hope that's not the case. I really yeah. would love for that opportunity to exist. Um, whether I'm still content creating on TikTok, Who can say uh, at a certain point, I feel like given life and giving certain decisions and certain events that are coming up down the road, who's to say uh, what I will be doing. Um, but uh, if I'm not, I will be very thankful for everyone that I've encountered on the way uh, through this journey and creating content and being a part of this community and meeting all of the awesome people that I've encountered over the last two and a half years. Um, another bucket list item, I would love to eventually do my own podcast.
0: You need to, dude. 100%. You I need to
1: do it. i so um, I've auditioned for a number of different podcasts and uh, there have been through different extenuating circumstances. I haven't gotten them and sort of with each, uh, not rejection really. Cause I totally, once I found out who was eventually a part of the cast, like I wasn't bitter about it at all to begin with. But once I found out about who actually was a part of the cast, I was like, well, of course that makes perfect sense. Who They got it. That's, that's that's what the creators are comfortable with, or they've played with those people before. They know what they're, they're a known commodity. They know what they're getting there. I'm kind of a wild card. Like, n- unless you've seen me play or unless you've been in a game with me, you don't really know what Andy's bringing to the table.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but with each of those experiences in auditioning, I would, I'd realize, mm, well, I could just, you know, create my own show and then I never have to audition again. But, um, I, I I mean, I would, what I would really love to do is at some point DM for, oh, I don't know, role playing degenerates at some point. (laughs) Um, or, uh, do, like, create a one shot, do a one shot with people. Um, there's a bunch of different, uh, Discord, uh, like communities or groups that I'm a part of where I would love to just, you know. I'd love to create stuff. And there's also like, I'm sort of creating a, I'm sort of like mentally like doing a tally of the different people on TikTok who've said, hey, if you ever are doing a one shot or if we're ever doing another campaign after the one you're currently doing, because I can't do two campaigns. It's too- I'm not, I'm, I'm not that kind of DM who can just sort <clears throat> of like, uh, who can sort of like compartmentalize campaigns like that. That being said, what I want to do is once I've reached a, A satisfying conclusion with the current home game that I'm running right now. Once I'm done there, I would love if the next game that I do could be a live stream podcast or a live play that is also like set 100 or 50 to 100 years in the future um, dealing with the consequences of everything that has happened in my home game. That way... I can continue to pursue the creation of the world uh, that I have made. I can like really either zoom in on particular places that my current party hasn't even been to yet. And so that's sort of, that's sort of the dream. Um, but yeah, using, using TikTok as a, as a way to, I guess if I were to still be on TikTok in five years, uh, I would always still I would still be using it to you know create positive spaces and safe spaces for for people to talk about RPGs TTRPGs D&D nerd everything yeah. I probably won't be doing my regular you know Wednesday night pancake breakfast uh or pancake dinner brinner uh lives I don't know if I have the the ability to do that for five years but yeah creating uh creating a place for everybody in the D&D community to feel safe, to feel included, to, to feel like a contributing member. That's, that's what I, I would consider that a win. I don't know if that's what I'll be doing in five years, but that's for what sure. I would like to continue to do.
0: Yeah, well, one thing I would like to say is, like I said, we've been looking for this, like we keep calling it the group. Like we're looking for the DM. We're looking for the, you know, D&D family. I don't know if you're familiar with Haley with D&D family. Uh, but but like these people we've met that we've talked to and we've kind of wanted to play with we're looking for the group so everybody who's listening out there if you think Dandy should DM the role playing Degenerates and some other uh, people we've talked to let us know because when he's done with this campaign we're going to hold him at gunpoint and make him do it Um, but until then um, where can everyone find you? or get or connect
1: with you? Uh, I... Here's the thing, like, I, I'm on other socials, but I rarely, if ever, do anything outside of TikTok. Um, I, I, what I would love to do, sort of like another bucket list item, is eventually, like, take my TikTok following and encourage them to also go to YouTube. Because at the end of the day, like, being a content creator, I would love to somehow pull in some additional monies... As a way of, you know, continuing to create content for people. Um, But yeah, uh, find me uh, on TikTok, Mr. Dandy DM, or at Mr. Period Dandy DM, um, and on YouTube at Mr. Dandy DM as well. Um, But yeah, that's, those are, um, those are my socials. That's where you can find me. And uh, if you are on if you are on Discord, everyone should be a part of role-playing degenerates you can also find me there.
0: For sure. And one more place is we're gonna be at Chicago Fan Expo um, July Oh yeah ninth uh, Danny will be there hanging out with us. Um, you, now is
1: everyone going everything is every is everyone going to every single day or because I know a lot of people got the premium package and that's a four day pass right?
0: Yeah we, we got the premium package because two of our people got it. And then they said, "Well, everyone needs to get it." So we all kind of jumped on the bandwagon and got it. We're, <laughs> it was uh, it was definitely um, it was definitely what is it called? Uh, our, our peers. Fear peer pressure. pressure. Yeah. Peer <laughs> pressure. <clears throat> um, so we're gonna be going up there. We're gonna be there Friday, and we'll be there Saturday, mm. and then we're leaving out Sunday. So Friday night, Saturday, we'll probably play one or two shot. Um, which I think we're gonna stream. I think I'm bringing some my equipment. We might stream that in some capacity. I'm not entirely sure. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, for, for those of you want to know, if you're going to be at Fan Expo, you can hang out and see us there. Um, come talk to us. I think there might be, I've heard rumors that they're actually playing tables at the Fan Expo. Um, that would be dope.
2: Yeah, that would if, be a so, lot of fun.
0: If that's cool, I'm going to do like a one, once around, see a and then I'm going to sit down at a game and see if I can't play with some new players. So if that's you, the should case.
1: Get, uh, you should get Mary, Pippin, <laughs> Sam, and Frodo to all come in on a game. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we should, 100%. That would be uh, hilarious. <laughs> it's called it's called uh, The Fellowship of the Ring. It has nothing to do with what you were a part of. Um, yeah, no,
1: it's yeah. completely different,
0: yeah. <clears throat> yeah, well, if that, if that happens, that would be awesome. Um, otherwise, Dandy, I appreciate I appreciate the time, I appreciate everything. Uh, for everyone meet you, man. Yeah, it was great. I had a great, I had a great time. We're going to have to do it again. Um, but for everyone who's listening, uh, listening to the podcast, we appreciate you. Um, and until next time, uh, but I'll see you later guys.